Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoy today's message. Okay, so this morning what we wanted to do, you know, our pastor's been gone. And uh, so what we want to do is to try to um, go through a journey, the journey that he's been through with him a little bit. And uh, we all have questions for him. We all have the same type of thing. We want to know what happened, how did it go, what was going through his mind during all this. And so we're putting him on the chopping block this morning. And he willingly said he would do it. He said, I'll answer the questions honestly. And I said, I don't know if we want to hear this, but this is what we're going to do this morning and, uh, and get into his heart a little bit and um, to, to welcome him back. Is everybody okay with that? Everybody good with that? Okay. So welcome back. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, my heart has always been gosh, for 30 years it's been in the message of the gospel. That is my heart. I have, uh, God has driven me with, the, with it. And I think outside of a short sabbatical, it's been the longest time I've been out of the pulpit and gosh, since 92, I think. Okay, so. Tell us, we, we, we talked about um, where people know that you have what's history, not anymore, right? History of, it's called severe progressive, progressive coronary artery disease. How many stints did you have, please? At 14. 14 stints. Okay. So 14 stints over how many years? Since uh, my wife's not here. <laughs> uh, since I was 44, almost 45. So then 20, 20 years. 20 years. How many heart attacks? Had four heart, four heart attacks. Four heart attacks, with the last one being when? Uh, in March or February, somewhere back in there. Of 17? Oh, yeah. Of 17. Okay. So during this whole time, you've preached about it some with your heart. Um, what is it that's kind of been a struggle for you with having this heart problem? The truth is I didn't. The, the only thing I struggled with is when I had to go in the hospital, and I had to go through it. Most of the time, I just didn't think about it or worry about it. I just kept on going. Uh, I know that probably sounds strange to people, but I never allowed the disease to slow me down or to change the direction in which I got. I believe that God had called me. I did get frustrated a few times when I had to lay in there on that thing, and they had to put that thing up in my heart and put stents in. And, but I think the last year has been the most difficult because... You know, God spoke to me before the second heart attack, a couple of months. And when he said to me, he said, he, he woke me up and he said, he, he just spoke to me in an audible voice and said, you'll die an old man in your own bed. Of course, we really don't know what that means until we have to go through what he was preparing us for. And the thing he was preparing me for was the things that I was going to have to walk through, not just that heart attack, but the other ones, and then the surgery and the whole the whole spectrum of having to walk through this whole thing. But all in all, I never thought too much about any of it, even the surgery, because God gave me such peace about it. I, I had unbelievable peace going into the surgery. I, I knew that everything was going to be fine. It's just when I woke up on the other side. <laughs> that was a different world, different story. 
So when you did wake up, what, uh, besides, you know, the pain, I know you had talked about you didn't have certain types of pain that other people had, but besides the pain, what is it that you were thinking about this whole time while you're laying in this bed trying to recover from such a big surgery? I was thinking I need to get up and get to walking so I can get out of here. <laughs> That's what I thought the first couple of days. But after that, I realized that this was the hardest thing I ever was going to have to face in my life. And it has been. It's been very difficult. Not because God's not there, but because of what you have to go through. You know, uh, the, uh, the trauma to your heart, the trauma to your body. And of course, my thinking process is, and I, and I told myself before I went in this, I would do everything they told me to do, and I would, I would be as polite and grateful to everyone who helped me, and I would, and so that's how I went through the hospital. I went through that with the attitude. I told everybody, no matter who that was, thank you for your help. Thank you. I appreciate you. And believe me, it made a lot of difference because it kept me positive in my thinking. But I also knew that God was there. He's always been there. Never, He's never, ever not been there for me, even though I have to walk through these hard places. Did you question uh, your decision that you made to do it? I didn't question it. I just said I'd never want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think everybody does when they come out on the other side of it. Because you don't have no idea what to expect. You go in, and, and I don't care who you talk to, everyone's experience with this is different than mine. And uh, so, you know, I, I believe that, that even though it was difficult, it was part of God's plan for my life. Period. And so I take no... I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, I'm not angry. I haven't been angry. I have not been depressed. I have decided this was, this was life for me. A life-changing event was going to be for me. And I believed that, that after this surgery, that, 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 that God was going to give me my life back. And I was going to have to go through the tragedy and the stuff that I was going through. My arteries were so diseased on my heart. I'm surprised I made as long as I did. He's sitting on a stool for a reason. As everybody can see, when he starts talking, he starts getting his voice. You guys know how he preaches. And I knew if we were sitting down there that he would then start walking around, talking to people, be like, look at my life, look at my life. That's why he's sitting down for a reason. You guys. Um, there's a lot of people. How many people have been here have had bypass surgery? Two. We have people in our in our um, in our uh, church that have had this surgery before, and it is different for everybody. It's different. So, what would you say has been your biggest struggle for recuperating from the surgery? It's just for me. It's just getting back to what I feel would be a kind of a normal life. Where I, my energy is back, and and I, I feel it's really robbed me of my energy up to this point. I get tired easy. I I probably take a nap every day. Uh, you know things like that. Uh, and I guess just for me, I just want this to be over with now, today, yesterday. 
so I'd get back to a normal life for me. I guess I'd go back to the gym where I can work out. I can come here every morning and pray and be with God. I can go visit people. I can go, you know, just normal life, just my life. That's that's the struggle for me. Being patient. That's hard. What would you say would be a turning point for you where you felt like you started to feel better, and uh, um, and you you felt like okay, this is I'm I'm on the the improvement now. Well, I think that's when we went to California and I did all that walking, <laughs> and uh, I think the walking was probably the best thing in the world for me because. Uh, we walked to, one day we walked to the uh, Disneyland and we walked around inside and we walked back. And I, I realized that that day I probably felt a little better than I had for a while. So just getting back into a normal walking thing, you know. We did try to conquer a mountain. There's a, there's a, uh, a show there for Frozen that we went to on the last day. And it's uh, about four, probably four stories high, you think, about four stories up. And by the, time he, by the time he got to the top, his lips were blue. And um, his, I never told him, but his lower lip was blue and, and he was sucking wind. So how, how did that make you feel like, because you were doing good those first couple of days and then, and then boom, a reality check when you it, went up a couple of places. It just stairs. made me realize that we all have limitations. And I just wouldn't do that again. I didn't realize how... I, I just tried to keep up with everybody going up steps, which was my first mistake. I should have just went and stopped, and I didn't. I just went. I just kept going. By the time I got to the top, I couldn't. I couldn't catch my breath, even though I was breathing. I couldn't get no. I felt like I couldn't get no air, and it didn't really take me that long to recover from that. Probably five ten minutes. I, but it sure wiped me out the rest of the day. Because <laughs> a lot of us, we do when we're going through things and, and things are difficult and we think we're getting better and then we do something that totally gives us a reality check. It, it sets us back and, and sometimes we can become discouraged from that. And that's spiritually or physically. Um, and did, you, did that cross your mind at all? No. I, the thing was, I, I wasn't. I have, I have all this great hope in me that everything's going to be all right. So... But I also know that this whole road that I'm walking right now is about getting better. And you and the doctors, they've all told me, it's, it takes six months to get back to where you're recovering. And I just want to share something. Even though that mountain was difficult walking to the top of that, I got into that place and I started listening to Let It Go. You know, that's my favorite word. Frozen, that's right. And, and God just broke me. I just, he just started speaking to me. He said, I want you to let all this go. I want you to let go what you're going through. I want you to let go of all of it, everything. You're holding on me, is what he said. He said, let it go. I can feel the presence of the Lord. He was all over me. And, and I broke, I started crying. Even though that mountain up there was tough, it was the spiritual experience that mastered all of it for me. 
and uh, to help me to let go. Just let go, you know. I, you know, when you're going through all this stuff, you're trying as much as you can to to be strong and to walk through, and to, and sometimes we're not as strong as we think we are. Well, it's pretty good because everything you're talking about was the hope, um, you know, that's kept you so positive in in the future for what you're going through now. I mean, do you think that a lot of us go through that spiritually, not just physically? Well, I think that everyone goes through difficulties and trial. The biggest thing about trial is so many times people lose hope. And hopelessness has got to be the worst thing in anything when you're walking through something. It will rob you of your courage. It will rob you of your, it will rob you of your spiritual life. It'll leave you completely devastated spiritually. And many times God has to come and after we've been through that, he's, he's got to come and help us, you know, to get back to some kind of normal walk. The problem is, is that we hold on to it. That's the problem. Even after we walk through it and we on the other side, we hold on to it. And that's the worst thing we could do. It was never God's intention for us to hold on to anything. His intention was for us to walk through and to grow. To grow. To grow spiritually. To grow stronger in the things of God. To grow in faith. To grow in hope. And so that whatever you're walking through, that's the purpose of that. It's not to be mean to you or to make you, uh, you know, to lose hope. It was so that you could hang on to God. Hang on and just let go of all the bad stuff that seems to be and allow God to cause you to soar in those places. I have not lost my hope in God at all through this, nor have I lost my faith in God in all of this. And no matter how difficult it is for me, my hope, my hope is Jesus. That I will not let go of. Because he's pulled me through so many things. So many. You know, the second heart attack, I thought I was going to die. really did. You guys never know how bad that hurt. The people were looking at me like I was a dead man. They looked at me, and, they, and I could see in their eyes they felt sorry for me. And, and uh, when I was on that airplane, I, I mean that helicopter, I said, I, I, I asked the Lord straight up, Lord, is this, are we done here? Are we finished? Am I coming home? And as clear as a voice as there was, he said, no, you're going to be all right. It didn't make the pain go away. It didn't make anything, none of that changed until they got me in the cath lab. But the point was, I knew, no matter what I was feeling, that God's word to me is unshakable and unchangeable. And I made it through. I think they kind of fixed some of that damage, don't you? I hope so. Yeah. They didn't then. They did this time. <laughs> All right, so this is your heart, obviously, and this is your, your hope and your drive. Um, so let's go back, way back in 
When was it that you were called, that you felt called into, when was it that you felt called into ministry? When I was about 19 years old. I was, uh, you guys remember the Ten Commandments? Oh God, that movie blew me completely away. I've never seen anything like that in my life. But I felt this awesomeness of God. I didn't know what it was felt like to be called. I didn't understand any of that. But all I could talk about was Jesus. Wherever I went, whoever I was with, I was talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They probably got tired of me. But it was so, with so much clarity that I fell in love with God that day. And I gave my heart to Jesus. I can tell you a bunch of experiences, but that's when it all started. I fell away from the Lord when I was about, I don't know, you could ask my wife, I don't know. But God wouldn't leave me alone. He just wouldn't leave me alone. I'd drink and he would bother me in the midst of my drinking. I could feel him pulling at me and tugging at me. And... Uh, I know this is going to sound strange to some of you, but I was turkey hunting with my brother and some friends from work, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I was pretty well, had drank myself silly. And I was sitting on a log, and I was looking into it, it was fire. And the Lord spoke to me. And he says, it's like, you, you remember that uh, the thing of, of Sam, uh, you know, Uncle Sam, where he says, he points his finger at you and says, I want you? Well, that was the picture I got looking into this fire. And yet the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And he said, I want And I shook my head and I turned to my brother and I said, hey, God just spoke to me. And he said he wants me. And my brother says to you, it's all right, you can, you can go with God, but you can't leave home. <laughs> he, knew what, that, he knew what that meant for me. But shortly after that, I gave my heart back to Jesus. Shortly after that, my whole life took a new direction. I can't explain it to anyone except that I know that how real God is and how personal God is and how God is always present no matter what. And I know no matter what you're going through, I know no matter, and I tell you what, I've been through some deep trials in my life, but I've always accepted them as that's how God brings the anointing out in, in us. He, he, he brings it out through the trials and the fire so that we become pliable in the things that he wants to use us for. And no matter what they've been, when God sent me to this church 21 years ago, I didn't want to come. I had no idea what he sent me there for. He just says, you go help this guy. And I go, no, I don't want to. 
He said, I don't care what you want. See, that's how God speaks to me. I don't care what you want. Do what I tell you. Well, then I know that I've got no other choice. I have to do what he tells me. That's where it began. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know I was going to be the pastor. I just know that God was sending me there. I tried to leave, and God and the guy quits, and he says, no, I'm turning it over to you. You got it now. I said, I don't want it. <laughs> I said, I did everything. I said, why don't you just take a sabbatical? I'll hold things down for you. But, and, you know, and when you come back, you take, I, I did everything I could not to do this. And yet, God had a plan that we don't see. Let's say this to you so you understand me. You're no different than me. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm different than you. There is no difference. Each one of us is not saved by some person. You're saved by Jesus. He's the one that attracted you. He's the one that caused you to repent. He's the one that came and gave you his spirit. You can't run from that. You try to dodge it, your life gets miserable. And some of you are miserable now. Because you think that if you give your life to Jesus fully, that it's going to be something different than what it becomes. He loves you. He saved you. You belong to him. Your course of action in your life now is to follow him. Are you going to have trials? Oh, God, yes. Going to have some bad trials? Oh, yes. But every one of them will produce fruit in your life. And change your life. And it will cause manifestation of God to manifest through your life for you and for others. So when this was, here you go, and the sabbatical was turned down and it's turned over to you, what did you have a full-time job at that time? Mm -hmm. How was that? Well, I worked at the mines. I worked 48 hours a week at the mines, and then I did the church. Did three services a week. And whatever else. We rebuilt that little church over there in the meantime. Um, but once I knew it's what God wanted, I just put my head forward and said, let's go. How tough was that? Some of it was real tough. There's some real hard experiences in the beginning. But the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to endure this. God never tells us to do something that he doesn't have a plan for. Never. So we buckled down, and next thing I know, God started changing things. He started filling that place up. Do you know when we left there, it was 135 people coming to service. Bill and Jerry were there. Cars were lined all the way up and down the street over there and every place else. God was just doing some amazing things. How many did it start with? How many were in there at the beginning? 
135. It's amazing. Yeah, within about two years, I think, a couple of years. So during this time, when you're going through this and you're working and, and doing all this, what was, your, what was your heart, what was your vision for the church at that time? My vision has always been that the church would become the church. What I mean by that, the church is more than just people sitting in a chair. Church is people who are actively involved in the things that God has called them to do. What I mean by that is that I'm called to be a pastor, so that's what I do. I'm also called to do counseling, so I do that. I do what God calls me to do. How, why? Because I serve others by doing that. That's how I serve the body of Christ, is by serving them in that way, and that, and that, and that means. The body of, of Christ is, a, is supposed to be a functioning organism. My dream has always been Ephesians 4. That we, we build up each other into a, a, a mature faith that's in Christ Jesus. How do we do it? We do it in love. How do we do it? We do it in serving one another. How do we do it is that we take what God has given us and we start giving that away. It's a grace. It's a work of grace. Some are teachers, some are. Some are uh, just plain old shepherds. What I mean by that, they shepherd people. How? Through counseling them, through visitation, through many other means. There's more than one shepherd in this church. But my dream was is that everybody in, in this church would get full of God and, 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 and in that fullness of God, They'd say, man, I know this is what God wants me to do. If it's just one thing. Just one thing. Just one simple thing. That one simple thing is going to change the lives of hundreds throughout your life. The Sunday school teacher teaches the children. And they're so affected by the teacher and what the teacher teaches them, that they never forget the love and the tenderness and the gentleness and the things they gave them. They, it remains in their heart that one day God takes all of that and he brings life, the life of his son in them. Same way in, in anything that we do. I wasn't going to say this today, but I'll say it. When Jesus was going to the cross, he, at the end of the meal, he got water and a towel, and he told his disciples, come here. Many of you don't know that washing the feet of anyone was the lowest kind of servant there was. There wasn't any, there wasn't any other lower servant than one who would washed feet because they had to wash all the camel stuff and all the other stuff that was on the road that they had walked through. 
Come here, he said. I want you to, I'm going to wash your feet. Jesus took the lowest kind of servitude. He dropped, he humbled, he humbled himself so low that Peter said, No way. No way are you going to wash my feet. No way. You're better than that. You're the Son of God. You're not going to wash my feet. That's our attitude. But that's not Jesus' attitude. His attitude was that we take the office of a servant to serve. That's what he's calling you to do, serve. You don't get to pick what that is, by the way. It's already chosen for you in your calling. It's your calling. It's not mine. I'm doing mine. You have to do yours. No matter who you are. So what do you think, what do you think the, the big obstacle um, for people following that, that calling uh, that they've been given? Some of them feel that they're not adequately equipped to do it. Some just don't want to do it. Some are afraid to do it. There's all kinds of reasons why someone won't want to. But, but let me say to you, your greatest fulfillment is finding your place and fulfilling your destiny. This much I'll say to you, Justice Burns. I'll say it to you right now. This calling upon your life has not changed. It's not going to change. Because you have to yield to it. Well, you know what that is. I don't even have to tell you. But as much as you know what that is, you know what that is. Everyone in this room knows what they've been called to do. You knew he was going there, right? He kept looking that direction, so you knew it was eventually going to come to you. you. Just don't make eye contact. But he's still coming. Even if you don't make eye contact, he's still coming after you. Right. right. That's right. <laughs> um, are you okay if we talk a little bit about what we've talked about and what this is about and sure. what's going to be happening sure. um, coming up in January? Sure. So these banners here, this Connect, Equip, Serve, um, for those who don't know, this is my father-in-law, so we get lots of opportunities to talk. And we talk, I don't know how many, I'm sure it's thousands of hours we've talked about his heart and his heart for the church and, and what he just wants people to grab a hold of because he knows how much it changes the lives of those people. And these really are the three words that really um, keep coming back to a lot of our conversations. With the connecting, um, with bringing the church together, that the church connects with each other and then ultimately connects with God through that connection of somebody who has that light of Christ. Agree? Want to say anything to that? Yeah, you know, the, the thing about connecting is about family. We're a family. Period. 
The reason we're family is because we're connected by the Spirit of the living God. We're all the children of God, and we're all called the sons and daughters of God. Isn't it amazing that what God created first was a man and a wife? And out of that man and wife came children. And that was the first community that ever existed. But like the first church, I mean the first family, the devil always wants to destroy what God is doing. That's not what God wants. God's, God's way is a way of peace. It's a bond of peace. It's a, the unity of peace. It's the community of peace. Connecting this community. That's you and me. That's you and me. We have to build relationships with one another. That's the hardest part, isn't it? It's, is building relationships with people you don't know. And yet, God has put his spirit in you and he's put his spirit in them so that you can make that connection. He's given you from within a love for one another to bond. Right? Hasn't it? How many of you love your children? Some days. Well, let me tell you, we love our children. And we should love one another. Not because we're perfect. Ever seen two siblings growing up? Sometimes they don't get along too well, right? But as they get older, they... Not always, but sometimes they just become the best of friends. That should be our goal is to become one another's best of friends. If you're afraid that someone's going to find something out about you, quit worrying about it. No one's going to be asking. It's not about knowing all your secrets of your life. It's about reaching to you and loving you and being your friend and connecting with you and building something out of that relationship that lasts for a lifetime. How many of you have lifelong friends that you still hang out with once in a while? How many of you don't? Oh, wow. That's what's wrong with us. I think people just text now. I don't know if there's... I don't think you can use that symbol anymore. I think you have to use that symbol. That's, well, this, that this, symbol. That's how you do it now. That's right. We were talking about Ten Commandments, you know, 50 years ago, and most of us don't quite understand. Even I want you from Uncle Sam. A lot of people don't even know what you're talking about in here. Yeah, I know. I grew up in a different time. Yeah. So with the Connect thing, um, the Facebook is actually one of the re one of the reasons why we're doing the Facebook is not to, to get people to not come to church. This is still our body. This is still where we connect with each other. It's so that when people aren't here, they can still feel connected. To the, to the church and to the pastor. They can still hear the message. I've had two people come up to me and so grateful because they have to work on Sundays now. And they, this is a way that they still feel connected to their church. But it does not take the place, the place of this body of Christ. The other part was to equip. Do you want to explain equip? 
That means to prepare you for the things that God has called you to do. None of us are equipped by ourselves. We need help. We need mentors. We need teachers. We need people who will come alongside of us and help us to understand what we need to do. One of the biggest things that gets in our way is that we always want to do it by ourselves and for ourselves. But that's not how God works. God is always going to send somebody to help you. If you will allow that help to come to you. You know what I mean? How many of you ever learned to play baseball without a coach? How many ever learned to, how to box without a boxing? How many ever learned how to, uh, how to splice jeans without someone teaching them how to get there? Everything we do in our life is that we take what we have and we pass it on to someone else. In other words, if you're in an apprenticeship, you have what you call a journeyman, and that journeyman helps you and equips you to do the work that you're going to be doing. And, and then you have teachers that are going to teach you. The thing is, is a church is no different. We are no different. We need each other to help us. We need mentors, men, older men. We need, you need to take some young men under your, show, under your arm and mentor them in the things of God. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to walk. Teach them how to be a man of God. But at the same time, we need older women to mentor younger women. Help them to understand what it means to be a godly mother or godly, you know, whatever. I mean, I can I look all over and see all the need that each of us need. How many of you have always wanted someone to come and you're going through something and you wish somebody would come and help you? How many? There's not a person in this church that hasn't felt that. We need each other. And we need to be teachable. And we need teachers to teach us. Why? Because then we grow. We are equipped. I went to Bible college for two years to be equipped to be a pastor. I don't know how well, well that worked, but that's what they said. That's what I did. See. I just didn't start doing it. Chad went to school to be a PA. He just couldn't go and start cutting people open or whatever he does with them. You know. Just cut you open. Just cut me open. <laughs> And uh, without being prepared, equipped, equipped. The church needs to be equipped to do the will of God. Sorry, it's just what it is. So with that, um, there's been a focus of what we're going to focus on over the next year as far as the equipping goes within the church. And we're going to start giving more and more about this. Um, but there is a focus first. Our focus is to start to equip within the church to be able to reach out to the, the community. Um, so our goal is to start equipping this body of Christ in the things that they feel called, they feel called in. And we're going to start revealing what that's going to be. 
Okay, what about to serve? This is the hardest. This is hard. I am a servant getting ready for my call. I sit here waiting. I can't remember the rest of it. <laughs> I love that song. You know, the thing is, is that I don't know why we have we think that being serving someone else is such a bad thing. Jesus put it this way. Those who want to be the greatest in the kingdom must become the servant of all. Simply what that means is that we have to quit looking at me. See, we're raised in this to believe in me. Me, 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 me. I want, I want, I want. I want to do, I want to do. I want to be, I want to be. And it's probably one of the worst things we have done to ourselves. Instead of serving. You know, a servant doesn't get any great, doesn't necessarily get a great applause for serving. Except from God. It's funny, we serve our children. We serve our immediate families. But we don't serve one another. Everything I do anymore is about an ideal that comes in my mind. I want to be more grateful. So I think about being more grateful every day and saying thank you. I become more grateful. I want to be more kind. So I think about being kind and the things that I say and the way I treat people and all that. So I try to be that way. Same thing with the servant. I want to be a servant of God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to serve. I'm going to do it in any way that I possibly can. And that serving may be in a of something that I give away or it may be in something that I say or it may be something that I put myself into. But I might, that I might touch someone else's heart you got to think about that. Let me ask you this one simple question. And most of us really don't think about this too much, but what is your actions saying to others? Does it say that I care, that I love, that I'm there for you? Or does it say, I really don't care? That's your problem. A servant's heart's got to be about serving one another. We connect, we get equipped so that we can serve, so that we can build, so that we can grow, so that we can edify, so that we can become the that the body of Christ that God called us to be. A bride without spot or blemish. No man is a rock. And no man is an island. And you don't get to do it 
all alone. That's not what it's about. I don't care what TV evangelists say. That's not what it's about. It's about your heart. It's about you serving God by serving others. First John puts it this way. How can you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother whom you have? How do you demonstrate your love to God? You want to really know how you do it? You do it in loving one another. Someone needs your love. In other words, someone needs some action from your life. That's what they need. See, this is may not seem like a lot. It's a lot to me. See, may not seem like a lot. It's a lot to me. Go ahead. He's still trying to stand up. See, there's nowhere for him to go. So this is good. Can't help myself. I know. I know. So part of what we've went over the the last couple of years, we're talking about what is so. What does it seem so hard about the serving part? And a lot of people say, I want to serve, but I also want to be in the service. And so what, we've, what we are kind of mutating towards, which is coming up um, January? Yep. In January? In January is we're going to be going to two services. So we're going to be going to two services. Services will be shorter, which has been something that he is actually wanting to do. Um, the service is going to be going shorter so that you're in a service and you serve in the other service. There's options. There's opportunities. Because that's been one of the biggest things that people have told us is that I don't want to miss the message. Well, there's going to be multiple opportunities now. So we'll be able to have a serving and then an option to be able to be fed um, within the same day. Amen? It's pretty good, right? Yeah. So pray for our pastor, <laughs> and uh, you might see a clock somewhere for him, okay? Um, it's just so that he knows what's happening when he gets into his mode that we all know um, he gets into. So for the church, over the next, at least the next year, the vision is going to be focused on these three things. And so you're going to see lots of new stuff coming out, and everything is going to be focusing on these three things, trying to connect, equip, and to serve within our body of Christ. Amen, Pastor? Amen. You have anything to say about this as we're closing up? I just think that everybody ought to stand up and go greet someone. <laughs> That's what I think. Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. May you have a great week, and may everything you do be blessed by God.